Again, this is another show that I had never heard of. I, I pride myself in knowing shows, but I did not know this show. I think you'd be forgiven for missing the show because it lasted one season. Um, I remember as a kid, I think, watching this first episode because even as a kid, I was a big fan of uh, cop shows. Yeah. And uh, um, I remember just the beginning of the show being batshit crazy. But um, I, I don't think I watched it after the first episode, like either the time time slot was bad or it was uh i just forgot about it or something else but uh um i do remember seeing this first episode and uh yeah for some reason it didn't it didn't grab me right away <laughs> of course we we are talking about the show it is called cop rock yep cop, cop rock, rock by um steven bochco of, yes. uh, of um uh, a couple of uh cop show fame or uh uh, NYPD Blue, Hill Street Blues. He did uh, L.A. Law and uh, Doogie Howser, actually. That's right. Yeah, those are the four that I have written down too, actually. <laughs> yeah, he'd uh, he'd created yeah, like he had, you know, like a bunch of hits, and uh, this was not one of them. No, you might you might like. It's funny because I looked when I was looking at the IMDb, IMDb page for it. It was like it wasn't like like an early show that he created it was kind of nestled in between like no it's very very mid-period steven bochco with yeah. uh, um, <laughs> yeah. uh uh and and actually um we didn't uh this this wouldn't have been in the first or last episode but um apparently there were some crossovers from the other shows uh in in this series like they had brought uh-huh. in uh some some characters from uh i believe from uh, hill street blues uh just doing little cameo appearances and uh yeah it's it's uh it's something else the show yeah i mean when you th- when you think of steven bochco it's it's pretty like obvious slate of of shows except for Dougie Hazard, which kind of stood out a little bit differently yeah it's but a little bit of a, an outlier i feel like in the pitch meeting for this he was you know sitting with the executives and they basically just didn't listen to the pitch they were he was like i'm going to do this and they were like all right go ahead you you already you know you're a hit maker apparently so yeah why don't anything you, just... you touch turns to gold so carte yeah. blanche here here's yeah. carte blanche for you steven botchko and he mm-hmm. i would say he botched it he yeah botched he did it. this was a botchko of uh, <laughs> of serious proportions but um one one kind of interesting thing is that um this season uh, uh, of, of TV, um, there was this show uh, that um, I guess we should explain the concept. It's a uh, uh, it's a cop show, a pretty you know fairly bog standard cop show. Procedural, yeah. But it um, uh, it's also a musical, so yep. you know very occasionally and completely out out of context. It, uh, it they will just break into song at random times. Yeah, it's a it's a musical procedural. See, even saying those two words together just sounds wrong. Like it's it, it's awkward it really to does. say. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote down that I read somewhere that this this show is actually voted the fifth worst TV show in broadcast history. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, yeah. One so it was one season, 1990. It was only 11 episodes, which is a you know like a half season these days. Yeah, a- and let's I guess just jump. Right into it, which which uh, I which I think 
you know, I think it kicks it off on a high note with with Randy Newman because Randy Newman wrote the series theme song, and we all know Randy Newman from his his hits um, for Toy Story. Toy Story, and you know, all over Many. the place. Like Randy, very very like prolific sound songwriter. And, uh, um, yeah, he's done, he's done tons and tons of stuff. And and when I was thinking, uh, um, I don't know if you've, you've seen this or you remember it, but there was a, uh, an episode of family guy that, that features a, uh, uh, a Randy Newman character and he's just there and he's kind of singing songs as he like making them up as they go along. So it's just kind of like about what's going on. Like I'm walking down the street and you know, whatever. And that's, that's exactly how these, uh, how these songs come <laughs> off. Like they're just yeah. <laughs> like whatever first pops into your head kind of thing. I remember that family guy episode and it was when there was, it was in an early season and there was a nuclear apocalypse and they were trying to get to the Twinkie factory right. because Twinkies are supposed to survive. And then they find this, apple tree with but randy newman is playing his piano at the apple tree and they're like paradise but then of course randy newman starts singing and they have to peace out because it's it's yeah it's, it's worse it's, uh yeah it's worse than the holocaust <laughs> yeah it's absolutely horrible so we we open here um yep. on um you know what i think if you were watching the show for the first time you would the the musical part of it comes really out of left field because it starts off pretty heavy like it's a raid it's an it's about a bunch of LA, lapd cops and they're raiding a crack house and and they round up the dealers it's like a full-on like SWAT team kind of looking raid uh they kick down the door and they find um Kathleen Wilhoit uh who is a recurring character on the series um uh she plays a uh a junkie and she's got her baby kind of huddled in the corner and they take it away and they arrest her and she you know doesn't want to be separated from this child and that's kind of our a plot for the uh for the show um but as they're as they're cuffing the dealers the dealers break out into this crap (laughs) yeah Um, like i mean they they bust in and i wrote down i made a note that they were they like these cops are violently attacking the people in the house like they're not resisting yeah. really there's no guns at this point in the episode and they're just mm-hmm. punching people down there's a woman oh, yeah. that that actress has a baby and they're just yeah just... and they're they're really like it's hard to say what they're what they're trying to go for here like if they're taking the side of the cops like being a little overly brutal because i think this is pre uh this is 1990 i think this is pre rodney yeah. king no Yes, yeah, and, uh, I, I think so. I mean, I should probably yeah. know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I think but, it is. Though. Yeah, but it's around this time. But I think it is before Rodney King. So they're you know beating the shit out of these people, and like uh, the uh, the the dealers kind of do this rap about uh, you know the the cops and we we in these streets have the power and stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if you want to play a little clip of this, but uh, it's uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I think we need to. I'm gonna I'm yeah. just just listen to like uh, five or ten seconds of this take a listen that's right y'all better do what they say but your ass all night but your ass all day you get shot through the head they gonna haul you away put you in a garbage can in the and yeah i think like i think that's what if you you made a good point if if you didn't really know what to expect from this show and you hadn't seen the funny the funny ass youtube clips before I would, I, I don't know, I think back then I might be inclined to just, I don't know, think either like, what the hell is this, or I would just change the channel because it was just so yeah. out of left field and so ridiculous. Like, it's just, yeah, and it's a complete, like, change of change of, um, of of pace and everything. I mean, like, the, uh, 
it's 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 like I said, it's a really like kind of heavy scene. Like he's you know they're forcibly taking this baby away from a a crackhead and 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 arresting these people and and they just break out in song like it's nothing. But once <laughs> that's that's this whole show. Really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's just it. It goes from serious serious scenes to show tunes basically and, and there's some choice ones that i recorded that you're going to get to hear um clips of later on like super choice like super like inappropriate ones i would say for the scenes yeah i mean almost all of them are you know a, 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 a flavor of inappropriate but they're uh, <laughs> they're you know they're it, it's unbelievable but what i was thinking like when i was watching watching this one in particular was like did randy newman write this rap um, he was like, yeah, because he's like the music supervisor for the show, right? Yeah, and and he actually he won an Emmy on uh, oh, for I believe for this first episode. Uh, this is the, the yeah. only award <laughs> this show ever picked up was uh, uh, an award for the the music and for uh, for editing, I think, or something. That's a travesty. Only one one award. Oh well, yeah, no, that's that's it seems like a misstep nobody deserved an, an acting award or anything i don't think so so the good thing about the good you mentioned randy newman and it, that takes us perfectly into the next sort of part which is the opening credits and normally you have opening credits that are clips of the show with text but oh no it's yeah. randy newman oh no at the piano it's randy newman except yeah. he's surrounded by um the actors and yeah. actresses from the show not in character sitting around enjoying a randy yeah. newman concert <laughs> And it, it's like shots of them, like kind of bobbing their heads, yeah. like super into it. It's uh, it's it's so strange. Like this is such a curiosity. You just gotta look. Okay, just listen to just just a, a uh, like a part of this opening credit with starring Randy Newman, and you'll totally like, totally get the reference and the fl- and the sort of vibe that he's always had, especially in that like Family yeah. Guy episode. Take a listen. Days of yeah that yeah anyway so that opening credit yeah. scene thankfully ends relatively quickly then we go into the uh the the cop show itself which is you know it's pretty standard like we see a scene in a court um, the DA lets the the dealers go free because the the prisons are overcrowded, yeah. um, and uh, um, at least the men's prison is overcrowded. So the DA uh, is like, well, you know, well, let's lock up the women at least so that we can uh, <laughs> yeah. get something out of this, I guess. Yeah. And and that's what leads to um, uh, Kathleen Wilhoit's baby kind of being taken away at the time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, again, it's super serious stuff that they're, that they're dealing with. Yeah. They're, and then they're out on patrol and they're just driving around or whatever. And then much, much like Grand Theft Auto, uh, I, they, they're chasing a a van and then a, a dude busts out of the van with an Uzi and basically just guns down a cop, like just murders a cop. Guns down this cop. And there's a super dramatic scene with his partner being, you know, having PTSD and being like, no, no, which I mean is a natural reaction, but um, like a weird juxtaposition when, when these people start. It's very dramatic. And you know, I pulled a clip of that guy saying, don't you die on me, man. Don't you die. (laughs) Take, take a listen to this clip. It's, 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 it's exactly how I just did it. Don't die on me, man! Don't you die! Don't you die! No! Well, maybe not. He probably did it like a little bit better, but like it's super dramatic. It's 
definitely over, over the top. But you know what I was thinking at this point is that we we keep being introduced to all these cops, right? And it's the first episode, but I feel like there's been no like setup. There's been no backstory. It, we're just getting like int- being introduced to like a flood of characters, and I have no empathy or no awareness of who these people are. They're just all men and women in uniforms. That's it. You know what I mean? Am I supposed to care? Like I don't care. This is a lot of uh, cop shows are kind of like this yeah. because, uh, uh, like, I, my favorite show of all time is uh, a show called The Shield, which is, uh, you know, it's weird how tonally similar it is to uh, to to this, like the way that you know they're dealing. They're also LA cops, and they're uh, you know kind of dealing with a lot of the same stuff. And I think there's even a couple characters like CCH Pounder that shows up, you know, in another episode this season that that's on that show too. So. Like a lot of these cop shows are really kind of incestuous that way, but they but there are these it's it is a, like a really big sprawling cast and it makes it tough to kind of follow from from beginning to end. But uh, they're, yeah, they're all part of the Botchko crew, the Botchko like posse of like you know pool of pool of cop talent that he just sort of sources whenever he wants to. And then in continuing with the seriousness of uh, the sorry the serious side uh, of the episode, they're back at the police station and the two cops are interrogating. Um, the other, uh, sorry, the passenger of the van. See, the, the guy who, the guy with the Uzi that gunned down the cop, he gets away. His passenger gets mm-hmm. captured, brought back to the cop, um, to the interrogation room. And I say interrogate, but what I really mean is blatantly torture. Yes, they are like, they're like shoving water down his throat, not letting him go to the bathroom. They're waterboarding him. They were waterboarding him with hot coffee. Again, again, pre, uh, Again, pre um, uh, Rodney King, so you know. I mean, I guess this is actually probably a pretty like not super far off from how the LAPD was in 1990. Like, if this was on TV now, like there would be. I mean, they would be the clear villains of the show, the the cops here. But that's not really the case uh, on on Cop Rock. No, no, it's sort of like a like a really blurred line of who the I think who the heroes and the villains are. I mean, the cops are horrible. The the criminals are horrible everybody's horrible yeah and i mean i guess that's kind of what what uh the botchko shows were about yeah doogie hauser aside it's uh it was uh um you know like hill street blues and even the wire and stuff like that later on um are are they kind of have a little bit more of a nuanced take to like what the cops are doing here so uh, what's up, what's up next? So, oh yeah, then we see that woman again, who's who's actress, the na- whose name you keep saying. Um, I'm just gonna call her the Crack Mom because she's she, uh, yeah, she, Crack she, Mom. We can just call her Crack Mom. Crack Mom, that's fine. So, so <laughs> yeah. she comes back in with with her. She she got her baby back. Um, finally, yeah, she comes back in, and in the police station to the police, she's she admits to being on drugs. Yeah, <laughs> she's like she does, and and the cop is like. <laughs> The cop is like, well, you have to stop now, right? If you want to keep your baby. And she's like, oh, I'm going to cut down. Yeah. I'm really gonna she's cut not going to stop. She's going to cut down on the crack, on the heroin I think yeah. she's actually on. And yeah. and then she just leaves <laughs> with the baby. And I made a note that yeah. to myself thinking like, yeah, that, that woman's going to die. And that baby's going to grow up with it because that's yeah. that's a bad path. Bad path. Yeah. but And, and that's not exactly what happens. No. But what happens is almost as bad. It's almost as bad. Yeah, which you will get to. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, yeah. See, and then it jumps. Okay, and then there's this total, like, jump in scene, and they're in the bathroom of the police station, and there's these two older cops, and one of them's complaining about yeah. his prostate, and I'm like, who yeah. are you people? What is, what? I've never seen you. 
I don't know if you are. Yeah, like maybe that's maybe that's realistic. But I mean, this is the first episode. This is how you're introduced to these two guys. They're talking about their prostates. I think one of them implies that the other one's having an affair. Uh, he finds a hair on his on uh, the other guy's shirt, and he's like, "Oh, that's not your wife's hair." Why he knows that that's not his wife's hair, I don't know. <laughs> I certainly don't know. <laughs> wouldn't know that from my coworkers, but uh, maybe these guys have a closer relationship. And uh, um, oh man, yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe yeah. I'm just I'm used to it. Uh, maybe I'm not used to that. Then I haven't watched a show from that era in like that long or something like that because they just i just feel like they're just they're just shoving character traits just like a bullet point list of character traits down our throat without sort of you know developing the characters that makes any sense yeah nothing has been established no. it's just kind of you're just supposed to assume that which is <laughs> makes it a little bit uh, tough to follow but uh <laughs> also kind of kind of interesting that way it's a roller coaster ride it's definitely definitely weird yeah. and then we meet who uh, then we meet the the chief who's my one of my favorite actors of all time. Oh yeah, hell yeah. It is uh Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox as better known and most known better known in his most famous role as Cohagen from the original and superior uh, Total Recall. Yes, absolutely. He's also in RoboCop. Yeah, just like a character actor. Like, if you look him up on IMDb, he's just got this laundry list of credits. And we meet him in his in his office, in the chief's office, and sort of continuing yeah. with the, I, I don't know, maybe the, such was the style at the time. In his closet, he has, like, a real, like, pop-out sort of mannequin that you'd find at some sort <laughs> of Wild West fun fair. That, but except he, he has, a, like, this... I don't know, this like huge hand cannon basically that actually yeah, is loaded. Yeah, these two guns that he's uh, that he's showing off to Ernie Hudson who yes. is also also in the scene and and you kind of think that maybe they're like non uh like the guns are not loaded or not active or, or you know not operational or something. Yeah. But but or maybe they're full of blanks, I don't know. And then uh, he, uh, the, you see this thing come out of the the closet, this carnival cowboy thing with glowing red eyes. Yeah. And and he's starting to shoot at shoot at it, and it's real bullets that he's shooting at this this thing, this dummy, in the middle of his office. So like, I wonder if on a on a regular basis, like the people, <laughs> the other cops outside, like just hear gunshots coming from <laughs> from the, from the chief's office at random times of the day. And then maybe the when the cleaning lady comes in at night, she. That's one of her duties is to meticulously like pull extract the bullets and replace the shirts because it's you've got it, it seems like something he would like consistently do right it wouldn't be like a one anyways I maybe I'm thinking too yeah. much into it but <laughs> he doesn't have it there to not shoot <laughs> so he's obviously done this a lot so the chief is doing um oh a pre- yeah the chief is doing a press conference for the dead cop to tell the press and the public that. The cop is dead, and the mayor is there, and she's this lady, and she's going to come up again in the second, in the last episode, and she literally has the biggest hair that it's enormous hair I've ever seen. It's like <laughs> it's it's exaggerated. It's, it's Marianne from per- Perfect Strangers on on crack because it's yeah. like <laughs> it's gigantic. I feel like yeah, I feel like I thought Marianne's was the biggest hair I'd ever seen until I just until episode three right now that we're in. For for yeah. TV or GTFO, and now she's the new reign, like the new ruler of yeah, large new hair, reigning reigning queen of, of giant hair. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. and uh, <laughs> so after this, after this, this is one of my favorite songs of the whole show. <laughs> is uh, uh, the mayor is being very very blatantly bribed by these contractors, and they have a briefcase and everything, and they break out in this song that is just 
so batshit and it's all about bribery and the the tone of the song has no no like uh, uh it, it's it's so inappropriate for a song about bribery yeah and then the mayor <laughs> the mayor jumps on on the table and and i think people just have to hear the mayor's part <laughs> for this because it is it is something else I feel like, and maybe this is probably an overall theme that I, or an overall sort of running thing, is that I feel like the writers of the music, like Randy Newman, were in a different country than the writers of the show. I think so. Maybe they were just given the script on paper and were like, okay, let's just write music over whatever dialogue they were going to put here. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, because, wow, it, it, it is, it's something else. I mean, you've just heard it. It's, she's talking about being born outside of a, like a gas station or something. And, you know, is it wrong? And then they're like, uh, is what separates us from the animals? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it, it, it's just nuts. And I, I, you know, my only note on this song, other than like, what the hell is this was just, uh, uh, that this can't be explained away by the time period. Then that they, even by 1990, they knew better. <laughs> than, than to put this on the air. And then they all dance under a brief, briefcase full of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is uh, to be seen, to be believed. Also, <laughs> well, moving on from that messed up scene, um, what is it? Oh, yeah, the crack mom comes back into the station with her baby. Presumably, she's run out of money for crack, so... Yeah, she's trying to get, yeah, she's trying to get money for tips. Um, and, and... Uh, you know, it's big money that they're paying out for tips. I think it's like 50 bucks. It's 50 bucks now and 50 bucks if the tip pans out. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, not high stakes here, but I guess for crackhead, you know, maybe that buys, you know, a good amount of crack. In the, in, in 1990? Yeah, I would I would say, yeah, yeah. depending on how her usage yeah. is. I mean, one would, think, <laughs> one would think she would want to buy formula or something for her baby, but yeah. no, probably not. Yeah. And then it cuts to the scene in the courtroom and another dude I recognize... Quark from Deep Space. Oh, Quark! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, right. so yeah, we we see our favorite uh, Ferengi, I guess, from Deep Space Nine. Quark <laughs> in an in an early yeah. in an early uh, acting role as a lawyer, and his face is it still it still looks like Quark, even without the makeup. It I think looks, he's always yeah, going to look like Quark. Bit. I met him once at um, Fan Expo in Toronto, and we yeah. shot with him, and he was kind of a dick. Like he was he he was like, oh, we don't, I don't know, where's this going to go, or whatever. And he looked like. <laughs> Him without makeup, so he and he, he seemingly wow. always looked like that after after seeing him in this show. Don't you, don't you wish you could kind of go back in time and ask him about this instead yes. of whatever he was doing? At the time? Get get a get like a screen grab of this show and have him sign it, and he would and just see yeah. watch film the look on his face when you when you when you present that to him. That'd be pretty funny. Anyways, yeah. So he's just some random guy um, that's in there, and. Yeah. And this song, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> this song is incredible. This is this is the actual highlight of of the uh, the whole show because, um, so the uh, uh, they're trying to prosecute this mobster, and um, this song is the is the verdict, <laughs> and uh, the song is called "He's Guilty." So spoiler alert, he's he's guilty. Um, and the the judge starts singing, the jury gets up, mm. starts singing. Um, they cut away and they cut back to the jury, and the jury's now in gospel 
uh, like church uh, gospel choir uh, robes. And uh, this is just, it's so bizarre. Um, the, the judge, uh, you, you, you have to hear this part. <laughs> I definitely, yeah, okay, let me play the clip one sec. Here we go. Has the jury reached a verdict? We have, Your Honor. Hit it. Yeah, I feel like that song was is sort of the pinnacle song, the sort of like ultimate, you know, the big song of this. Ep- they spent the most amount of time, money, effort, like coordination or choreography rather <clears throat> on this song. They choreographed this whole scene like with the, you know, you have the you have the defendant getting up and singing. I was abused as a child or, you know, I, you know, I didn't know any better and all this stuff. And he's singing it. And it's just like such a weird tone <laughs> to the, to this whole scene. Yeah. And that's and that weird tone again is this is just like an up and down sort of thing where it's gritty procedural mm-hmm. cop drama and just like yeah <clears throat> the most ridiculous show tunes. So back to the the gritty real stuff we're back at that um what is it oh yeah the two main cops they get a warrant from a different a different judge um yeah but it's too late because so there's these other two cops that are kind of morons they're kind of they're kind of idiots yeah they don't really know what they're yeah, doing yeah i don't think i don't think they have the excuse that they're rookies cuz i i don't think they are no but uh i just think they're like the you know in brooklyn 99 i think they're like the scully and um yeah the other guy absolutely <laughs> Yeah, they're definitely like the two kind of bumbling cops, and they uh, they taint the evidence uh, uh, so as to uh, uh, ensure that they're they're not going to get a prosecution based on that. Yeah, basically, yeah, they go in without a warrant, and they handle it. They're like, "Hey, we found this gun," and they're holding it with their bare hands. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? It's like it these people's first day as cops, and not <laughs> and having not having gone through training or anything like that it's just you know they were there for a ride along and now they're handling evidence and stuff because i mean what cop would do this so the main cop larusso uh, whose name is yeah. larusso and he's the only cop's name i remember the main the yeah. character's name is larusso he takes them outside and starts berating them and i and i recorded this and i don't know if you picked it up but he i think he means to say go sit in the car but it sounds a little different take a listen it's my fault i should have never left you two alone so what do we do Go sit in the car. LaRusso, go sit in the car! Right there, go sit in the car! Yeah, so it's, yeah, he yeah, was really passionate. I definitely passionate. picked that up. Okay, good. <laughs> I, yeah, I recorded that. That's that's going to be pretty funny. He says it twice, too. Sorry. He says it three times. Yeah. The first one's kind of normal, and then the second two are obviously go shit in the car. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so, okay, so, the, so this is where it gets even more messed up and gritty. So the main cop, LaRusso, is super pissed. He's super angry. And he goes back into the house. And what does he do? He pulls out his gun and he murders the perp. So Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He just, <laughs> this is where he does that. He just, uh, yeah, just guns, guns him down. He's, 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 the, the perp, just to set this up, the perp, and I call him that because that's just what they call him, the, the bad guy who, are, who already killed a cop with the Uzi, earlier in the episode is seated with his hands cuffed behind his his back yeah. and LaRusso is just so pissed that he's going to get away because of those two bumbling cops tampered with evidence and you know invaded and um, went in without a warrant he gets so pissed off 
uh, he just pulls out his his police revolver and and like murders this guns down this yeah. this bad guy. This was actually kind of hard to watch. <laughs> it was just it was just like I I didn't see it coming, and then and who also didn't see it coming was the um, the cop's partner who was a witness to it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, and then of course internal affairs shows up, and they're just like. And he's like, no, man, he had a gun on him. He had his, he had his Uzi on him. It was self-defense. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's, I guess, the beginning of like what w- would appear in the in the final episode to be like a whole series long thread, story thread, I guess. Story yeah. Line. yeah. Yeah. There's a, um, uh, it, it, it's never really made super clear um, what's, what's gone on uh, in, in between here and the finale, but uh oh. Uh, yeah, it's it's clear that this guy is like the loose cannon <laughs> cop, you know, that uh, um, is being some, uh, prosecuted for this later on. And then, and that sort of stop that sort of scene ends, and we're and we see the woman again. We see Crack Mom again with her baby on the bench, sorry, on like a graffitied yeah. up park bench, and it's like, oh no, what's going to happen? And then some dude pulls up. You sort of get an inkling or an idea. Oh, she's going to start tooting. She's going to start prostituting herself. But no, yeah. she's with the baby right there, and I was like, "Oh, please!" Okay. I really hope this is gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Oh, this is just gonna be bad." But then it it sort of took a different turn in that she sold her baby for two hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars, and uh, they she so she meets this guy who's like a broker, I guess, of of, of babies, and uh, he he tells her that uh, you know the family is super nice and. And uh, even gave him a car seat to put the baby in, which is super nice of him because the, the, this is a baby <laughs> that he's driving around with by himself. I, I felt like even two hundred dollars was low back in nineteen ninety. Of course, it's low. Just a baby. <laughs> of course, it's low. Any any time period. If this was the nineteen fifties, two hundred dollars would be low for, for a baby. But it's uh, in the nineteen nineties. It's certainly low and. Uh, yeah, like it's it's really hard to see how this was a better option than foster care, except for the fact that she got two bills out of it. And and with a with a baby that's now been sold for two hundred dollars, the episode is over. That's it. Episode. Yep, up. that's it. That's your big kind of cliffhanger. And she's singing this song that's so like, it's so terrible. It's like, baby, close your eyes. The Sandman's coming, and I was it's it's rough yeah i'm not even going to subject people to listening to that song it's just it sucks you just did a better job of summarizing it <laughs> yeah it's it's just like just picture a, the, one of the saddest songs you've ever heard and that's the end of that episode end of episode one boom all right so now we get into the finale and uh we open up on an uh another uh police interview i won't call this an interrogation because this is the victim but um, they uh, they are after a serial rapist, uh, which is you know again really heavy for a musical show. Um, and uh, the girl is uh, telling them about how uh, this guy has cut her hair, and he's you know he he uses a straight razor. He's this guy's going around uh, college campuses and uh, going after girls. Um, I forget how many they say that he's gotten. Is something like six six or eight? something like that yeah something like that yeah i yeah so what they've done is they seemingly gathered all of the female um officers and detectives in in the um precinct and precinct and presumably other precincts too because there's like a lot of them there's like 30 you know yeah this is is, there's more women here than we've seen 
certainly on the show so far, like even as extras and stuff, like you don't really see this many women in the, in the uh, police station up till now. So basically they're going to send all these women out as bait with, yeah, it's a thing, <laughs> but, but they're, what I like is that they're not, they're nice enough to reassure the women police off the, the trained women police officers that they'll, they'll have men like real close watching them to protect them. Oh yeah. Yeah. Only seven yards away. There's always going to be a man seven yards away. And this is what Ray, Radios were invented for, so make sure you use them. Uh, I don't know how they would uh, how they would discreetly use a radio while they're being by while they're being attacked, but you know here we are. No, and then and then I had to record. Sorry, and then the women sort of break out, and yeah. they're gonna go and, and and they they all break into a song about they about the rapist. They're yeah. singing about and it's like this the is like a song that I would expect to hear on Saved by the Bell. It's uh, it's yeah. like a super kind of casual sounding song that doesn't uh, uh, it doesn't really express the gravity of a of a serial rapist. Was it Zach Attack? Was it was the band Zach Attack? Was that the name of the band? Oh, and on Saved, Saved by the, the Bell? Bell, yes, yeah, it absolutely could have been a Zach Attack song. Which... It was a Zach Attack song, but I feel like. Um, Jesse would have taken the lead singing because it's yeah. obviously it's women it's it's women singing this particular song and I want I'm just gonna play one line and I'm gonna tell you after what it is I'm just gonna play one line from the song and this is what it is. This guy's been getting on my nerves. He's a and he'll get what he so basically, what just to recap, what they are singing about or what they're saying is this guy's been getting on my nerves. His days are numbered and he'll get. What he deserves. They're getting on their, the 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 multiple rapist is getting on their nerves. It was upsetting. It was horrible. It was terrible. Horrible, horrible. But uh, one thing that uh, you would know in the scene is uh, uh, there is uh, somebody that you may recognize, or but probably not uh, in oh. this scene is a young Cheryl Crow. Oh, fun fact. I did not know that. I did not recognize that. I, I was blinded by the song. I think she gets the first verse in this song. I'm, I'm not sure if that's the one that uh, that you just heard, but um, she's uh, she's there, and it's her signature Cheryl Crow. I don't know that she's done anything before this, so uh, this might be Cheryl Crow's big break. We should tweet Cheryl Crow and ask her if she knows that. That was when she got her start, and she would probably know that for sure. I'm going to tweet her later. Um, so yeah, they're singing about the um, serial. Not sorry, not just a rapist, but a serial rapist. And like, I just wrote as a note here, like they spend so much time. Like this, this, uh, the interview that they do at the beginning of the show with the victim, it's it's actually kind of well done. Like it's well acted, um, uh, it's it's well done and everything. And they spend so much time setting up these serious scenes, and then it's all squandered as soon as they start singing. Like it's a, it's just such a waste, and it's just it. Oh. <laughs> so then we jump from that scene to a scene with the mayor, and actually, I love this. We we skip something off the top. I want to just circle back real quick. There was like a recap right off the top, and it was, mm. it was, it was a maybe it was like a previous episode or a previous previous few episode recap, and one of the lines was oh oh sorry quick note the mayor's hair has grown even it has bigger grown it has grown and it has infected other females on this cast because uh, uh, some of the the uh, the lead kind of female detective uh, has now has giant hair also and she didn't in in the premiere no. 
So so they're doing so they're doing the recap, and the mayor is talking to her aides, and mm-hmm. one and her mayoral aides are these twin yeah. middle aged gentlemen, and she's saying how them she she's reciting like um, I guess public feedback, and the public's feedback is that she's ugly, and that she, and okay, I'm just gonna play the clip because yeah. she goes, am I ugly? And then they tell her what the public has been saying. You have to listen to this. Yeah, they actually use the word ugly. You were described as being plug ugly, too ugly to live, ugly enough to scare horses and children, and ugly enough to stop trains. My favorite was that she was ugly enough to stop trains. Yeah. And I mean, she's not the, she's not the best looking woman in the world, but she's not, you know, she's not busted or anything, I don't think. And then... I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's it's funny that you say that, and this brings us back to where we are now in in the plot for this episode, because we're back in the mayor, and she's like, um, she comes back in, and I I think she got like a facelift. She looks different. She looks like she's tightened up some. Maybe I don't know if she's changed her makeup or or something like that, or or maybe it is plastic surgery. But yeah, I think I think the makeup department. Yeah, I think the makeup department made her look like made her look kind of dowdy. Maybe put lines under her eyes or something like that, and they just removed that for this scene because now she looks a bit more sprightly, a bit a bit more up. And I don't know, maybe she got like a little bit of a haircut, yeah. but it's still pretty huge. Like, well, what I found kind of shocking was actually about the campaign managers because they're two identical twins, and I know them as one person named yep. Matthew Lawrence who played uh, David Silver's dad on Nine Hundred Two and uh, for for most of the the run, yes. but I had no no inkling that this guy was an identical twin. So I'm like, there's two males. Maybe there's two males. <laughs> Maybe they switched them out like the Olsen twins, and they had to work only half the time. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> you it wouldn't know. It was seamless. They're they're really identical, yeah. and it's, it's weird to see yeah. identical twins like grown identical twins. And I don't know, whatever. Maybe that was normal back in the '90s. But yeah, she. she so she's a. Uh, She's there, and she's uh, the reason why is because she's running for Senate, and uh, um, uh, obviously wanted to upgrade her uh, her her profile a little from mayor to uh, to joining the Senate. And uh, a lot of this episode is uh, it it's uh, centered around her filming uh, this campaign ad. I love this campaign ad. I love it. It's the best. They're so basically they're shooting a commercial. And it's uh, there's a lot of old people that old and they're actors. And yeah. there's these there's these completely extraneous con- like conversations about union statutes and regulations regarding equity. Like what? This scene was like so you have your two uh, the two campaign managers your your identical twins and uh, uh, the old people are like uh, you've got to give us time time off you got to give us a break you got to you know. Um, give us all these concessions, and and they're uh, the two campaign managers are complaining like, why didn't we go to Vancouver where they don't have unions, and and we could have just shot this, uh, and and the old people are just complaining, and it just kind of comes out of nowhere, and it's never picked up again. No, I feel like it was a, it's like a dartboard of ideas in the writers' room, yeah. and they just were like, okay, well we need to fill forty four minutes, so let's just put that scene in and not follow through on yeah. it, not you know what I mean, like. I mean, eventually they do finish the commercial. I yeah, think, and right? that that is excellent. But we'll get to that in a second. But um, yeah, yeah, that's they, later uh, on, yeah. Um, we're back at the back at the police station. We have uh, yes. Paul McCrane of ER fame, and uh, he's he's done. All, he's also another like very prolific kind of character actor. Um, uh, he's now uh, a detective, 
and uh, who wasn't in the who wasn't in the pilot, so he's kind of showed up mid season probably. And um, they are going on a on a bust of this rapist. Um, I I think I missed what happened with this thing. Like, did it not happen, or did it? It was obviously unsuccessful, but uh, uh, I didn't I didn't see what happened there. They just kind of dropped it. You mean with the rapist? Yeah. Oh, he comes back at the end. There's a no, whole no, thing. No. Yeah, but like, how did they go from uh, um, uh, from doing the sting to to finding this guy's house? Oh no, you're right. There was no tie. They didn't show the sting. They didn't show the women cops. I in fact, I only think they had that to serve the setup for that song that they sang. Like maybe that yeah. was was an entire vehicle just for Cheryl Crow because mm-hmm. they never showed the women on campus. They never did it because the next time you see him, he's at his auto body shop. Is that the same guy even? Uh, the uh, the rapist. Yeah. Yeah, like a. a I guess coming out of, I don't know if it's coming out of this thing or what, but they've now got a lead on uh, the guy's yes. house. And uh, um, I think his mother lives downstairs and he lives upstairs. And what's what's important is that the police have a warrant to search his place, but not his mother's place. <laughs> right. and, and he's somehow been tipped off that the cops are coming. And uh, uh, so he stashes all of his like, rape memorabilia in his uh in his mother's house and so his house is clean exactly and so the cops come in and of course is it the same stupid cop as in the in the first episode it's actually not okay. i went back to check good uh, these, uh, these are two completely different stupid ass cops i have uh just in capital letters fuck boys because uh, <laughs> they go up and uh uh they're they search his place they, the rapist's place find nothing um and then uh the um the main detective cop um uh what is her name uh vicky uh tells tells the other guy um okay so we haven't found anything and he goes to check downstairs where they don't have a warrant and he finds uh a suitcase full of like hair and the uh uh the uh, switchblade that he's that he uses to to threaten these girls yeah and it matches the description so they found you know uh, the smoking gun, basically, that he is the rapist. But what happened? Uh-oh. They searched, they had the warrant for the other property, so it was an illegal search, and you can't... Again! 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 <laughs> Why does this happen? So close. Twice in two episodes. <laughs> They're always just so close, but they don't follow, reg- like, the most basic of regulations. Like, I feel like you don't you don't, you don't need to be a cop. You don't need to have any formal training in law enforcement to understand the basics of, like, this is a document that says you can search this property. You know what I mean? Like, and not. I honestly feel like having watched two or more Stephen Botchko shows, I know more than these cops about police work. There you go. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. Like, okay, so they've slipped his grasp again, and and then it jumps yeah. back. Oh, and then we're back to the um, to the man. Yes, the commercial. The commercial yeah. is done. Yeah. So this is this is the commercial, and you know what? You just have to hear this, especially the part with the old lady singing. Okay. Yeah. Here, take a listen. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what that's that's my favorite part. I, I mentioned earlier, it's my favorite part, the whole show. Yeah. So they're just all sitting and watching the uh, the commercial. Uh, who are they watching with? Yeah. Maybe the I, I forget who they were. I think they looked like they were um, uh, they were kind of like campaign strategists. 
like people that were higher level of course yeah than her or uh people that were closer to her and they're kind of like uh um did uh, does she pop does she pop they keep saying and uh the the two campaign managers are like uh we'll check the demographics when they come in <laughs> you know that kind of stuff like it's it's uh but uh the other guy says uh you know like i think we're looking at the next senator and that's actually where they drop that storyline isn't it yeah that's where it ends you don't see you don't see the mayor anymore you don't hear about the campaign nothing it's over it's done it's like halfway through the episode so then uh i think we go back to larusso here yes. who is meeting with his lawyer and something has happened again this is really really unclear what has happened between the first episode and this one uh but um there's maybe been some public trial and um the lawyer is really really pushing for him to uh like take a book deal take uh, a tv deal something like that so that he can monetize what's happened to to him like to monetize his story and therefore the lawyer will take a cut and LaRusso's like, no, no, I just want my, my badge back. And the lawyer's like, no, you seriously have to do this because I'm in the hole for a lot of money. And, uh, you know, this is why I took your case. Right. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. he wants to make yeah. wants him to make a movie and obviously make the money off of that. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you can make a movie about this guy. There's so many threads that they just kind of leave here in the, in the finale episode, though. Like, you would think that they would at least, you know, kind of wrap up those or they would have the, some inclination that the show was not coming back yeah. and kind of try and tie some of those up. But no, they've, they've just, in every storyline, they're just leaving plot threads hanging. Yeah, you know, I can't really think of any redeeming, like, not, sorry, not any. I, I can't think of a lot of redeeming sort of qualities I feel to the show. I feel like um, maybe, like, Stephen Bochco and his creative, and I put that in air quotes, his creative team were like, just oh, let's just try something new. We'll see if it sticks. You know, you got to take chances in life. But I honestly feel like if it was me and I was pitching a show and I was like, okay, it's going to be reality medical drama set in an, like an actual hospital, but instead of helping people, sumo wrestlers wait by the entrance and belly bounce people back out onto the street. <laughs> like, like it's completely counterintuitive. It's it's like a, like you could do that with you just pick two random things that are completely yeah. counterintuitive and put it together yeah. and maybe it'll stick. Maybe it could have had eight yeah. seasons and syndication, you know, hundred and hundred episodes syndication, millions of dollars. Obviously not because it was dumb. Like yeah. the ideas were stupid, but but I, I think the the nineteen ninety TV season there there must have been something going on there because this is also the season where where Twin Peaks was was green lighted, uh, one of the most bizarre series of all time. And uh, though that, of course, became successful. Called classic. And um, yeah. And there was also um, there was also a show uh, this same season that has a very similar kind of uh, uh, cop rock musical uh, uh, musical theme called Hall High. Um, I've never seen the show, uh, but it's it's like a high school where that's also a musical. So all of this kind of came out in 1990 so i don't i don't know what was happening with tv in 1990 but something clearly well maybe they just it was you know what maybe it's 1990 it's the start of a new decade it's a fresh start yeah. for, te for television for from for you know for a lot of creative industries let's just try it maybe this will be the yeah. big hit of the yeah. 90s you know what i mean this will be the yeah exactly yeah and yeah. then many decades <laughs> a couple decades later it was glee but of course glee was like yeah it's lighthearted. it's in high school you know you're having fun yeah huh? it's really really different like glee will occasionally deal with a with a um uh, a more heavy subject and stuff but they really don't you know kind of tonally shift the way that this does like this it's sort of like a proto glee i guess but uh 
they they really had no idea what to do with this. But anyway, but they yeah, um uh, so so uh, uh, Larusso is back in the police station. Uh, whatever he's done to his partner, he's ostracized from the entire station. Uh, the captain doesn't want him back. Nobody wants him back. But they, I get the impression that they're kind of forced to bring give him his badge back. Yes. And they, uh, the captain says that he's going to, you know, really keep an eye on him, make sure that he doesn't, you know, fuck around. And uh, there's a scene with his partner where, you know, you think that there may be some ex- exposition about what happened, but no. Um, uh, the, the partner just, uh, the partner just kind of says, uh, you know, I'm not going to work with you again. Uh, you know, it's, you know, you, you've screwed me over in some unspecified way. And, uh, LaRusso's like, oh, well maybe you trusted the wrong people, meaning him, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <he does laughs> and then asks him if he wants to partner up again. He's berating him for trusting him. Like, yeah, I love yeah. it. And then asks him, has the has the fucking gall to ask him if they want to team up again, and and the partner just punches him in the face. And then there's a song about the 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 uh, the cops being united or divided, and uh, it's not really worth recapping, but it's uh, uh, you know there's a song there also. Yeah, they they do actually wrap up the rapist thing by using obvious entrapment. These are the worst cops in the whole world. <laughs> they uh, they they um, what they do is they pick they pick the rapist up. They can't they, so they can't use any of the evidence that they found in the briefcase, the hair, the the switchblade, none of it, because they it was because of an uh, uh, an illegal search. Yeah. So now they have to. The, now they decide that the only way that they can get him is if uh, the victim, the same victim from the beginning of the episode, um, uh, that she has to identify him independently, and they have to bring him into the. They have to bring him into the station uh, on on a completely different charge. Bogus charges. So what what do Bogus. they do? They're... What do they do? They follow him around and they pick him up on all these bum charges, like his floor mats aren't aren't attached to the ground to the floor of the car there's a kleenex box in the back the back window you know just these bullshit charges yeah and uh, so they pick him up and they bring him back to the uh the police station and as they're and as soon as they bring him back the chief is like or the uh the captain's like let him go but take him out the side entrance yeah and they take him out the side entrance and uh who's there but the uh the victim his original victim who's there looking at lineups and she identifies him. And and by identify, of course, you mean is suffers additional trauma. Like they have to put this woman through trauma just so they can get, I mean, he's a bad guy, obviously he deserves to be, you know, put away for, for a long yeah. time, but she, they inflict trauma upon her unbeknownst to her. Yeah. Obviously she didn't know they were going to parade her rapist through the yeah. police station at all. And then of course she IDs him and they get, they finally get their man and they all high five and, and, and yeah, and they all high five, except for the fuckboy rookie who comes up and is like, uh, how is that different from what, what I just, oh, from yeah. what I did <laughs> on the bus? And, and the captain is like, uh, good, you know, sometimes good cops have to bend the rules, but bad cops break them. There's no, there's no <laughs> distinction between these two things. No. They, uh, what what they've done here and and you know we're left feeling that these are the most incompetent cops in the whole world yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a that's a good way to go out, right? Because they they yeah. were incompetent from from episode one to episode eleven. So I got to, I've got to imagine it was that. Throughout. In precisely the same way, they've they've learned nothing. No, they've learned absolutely nothing about police work or handling evidence or doing a proper search. None of it. And uh, um, and then we get to our last five minutes, which are the craziest five minutes of a show I've seen in a long time and maybe ever. Yeah. So you don't think anything's happening at first. Chief um, Chief Total Chief Bad Guy from Total Recall is sitting with uh, is it Ernie Hudson or anyways it's somebody. It's, it's not no, Ernie it's Hudson not. at That's this racist. point. I don't know if they just if they just replaced him or uh, it's it's another actor. I think he's supposed to be the same character, but I'm not sure. So he's sitting, yeah, I don't know either. So he's sitting with him, and then the chief's like, I can't believe they canceled us. And I was like, what, what, what? I was, what? My head... and, then, and then the other one's like, um, uh, we, we, you know, you only got one song. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what? Then they start arguing about not having enough songs to sing, and I'm like, are they talking about? Are they are they going all meta on uh, meta on us right now? Yeah. Like, and they absolutely are. Yes. They have broken this fourth wall down. <laughs> they basically destroyed the fourth wall because li- they're they're talking about it for a couple of minutes about how they're going to miss. It was a great job, and I was like, when he said that, I, I was thinking, okay, he's probably referring to his job as a cop. He loves his character. He's going to miss the people, and and then when the other guy was like. Well, I guess it's over then. And then um, Total Recall bad guy goes... He pushes a button. He pushes a button. (laughs) And uh, they they start, you know, music starts. And the whole cast comes in uh, for, uh, or at least the police. They They all come in for a song about the show, like a meta song about the show and its run. Uh, you have to hear that. Yeah, here's here's just a here's a clip of this. Bye bye my baby so long to you my friend Somewhere somehow we'll rise again The actors are all there and I actually noticed that the actor playing the rapist is back there singing too and i was like oh is he there i just yeah. <laughs> I didn't know he was in the back i think they tried <laughs> to hide horrible. him or something because that's horrible uh, the, the, some of them are mugging the camera Ugh. <laughs> then of course there's uh, a line about uh you know it's not over till the fat lady sings and what happens <laughs> but a a fat lady wearing uh, you know a big purple muumuu comes down from the ceiling <laughs> yeah and the, that just says it all like <laughs> They 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 they're pulling the cameras pulling out and you see the whole cast and you see the yeah. fat lady hanging from a like she's like a really fat a sequined yeah. um, dressed lady singing and swinging and and then the camera pulls it even more and you see the crew of the yeah. show and then you're in the stu- like you can see that it's in yeah. the studio and it's it's, it's very mm. very strange way to end any show I think but uh, it's kind of like Truman Show ask almost it's uh, just like uh, kind of going out into the audience and uh, yeah so and, and I mean that's the end of the show uh, entirely and and just the fact that they put that in there it, it's just so strange but they but it also tells me that they knew that this show was going to end and purposefully left all of this stuff unresolved. Yeah, with the uh, with the mayor and and uh, with Larusso and all this shit, but you know, it's like why even bother? <laughs> why even bother doing any of that? Like, why not just do like a send off or you know, like even the laziest kind of way to write it off? 
but no, they just kind of, you know, <laughs> left it as it was. Yeah, so. they probably would have known. I mean, if they got a, se- a season order or like a half season order, they would have written mm-hmm. scripts for that. And then, of course, they would have changed, you know, when they found out, say, mid-season that they were canceled, because that's generally when they would have found yeah. out, then they would have, you know, just were like, oh, let's just add this five, let's just take the, the last, maybe the last five minutes in the original script tied up every loose thread of the storyline, yeah. and because they, they had <laughs> to take that out, it got completely left open, and they just didn't care. It just destroyed, yeah. <laughs> they didn't care, they have no respect for their audience and the network or anything no, like that. that. clearly not. Yeah. They didn't know who this show was for. Nobody was watching it anyway. So it's, no. uh... <laughs> I couldn't find numbers. I was looking for... for... Yeah, I was looking too, and I, I couldn't find anything... Uh... <laughs> for audience uh, numbers? It, it only ran... Uh, I mean, it's 11 episodes. It ran from September to December in 1990. So <laughs> wow. it was like a half a season. And uh, uh, yeah, and that was, that was just the end of it. And um, yeah, uh, yeah it's, just, it's just this weird, weird curiosity that you would never know you would really never know existed but it is coming out on dvd next month uh, in may yeah so uh if you if you want to check this out it is also entirely on youtube uh if uh anybody wants to check that out it's got its own channel so maybe uh you can watch it there without having to pay anything for it yeah that's where i watched it but i i know you you ordered the dvd right i did order the dvd uh because i really want to know if there's any uh uh if there's any extra somebody to explain what's happening here on the dvd but even if not like i just want want this in better quality than exists on youtube just for for posterity and i mean for 20 bucks it's easily worth that and um uh one other thing i wanted to talk about was that uh i was looking at if you look at the uh the list of the episode titles yeah like they're all these horrible puns (laughs) or these terrible puns that uh, uh, the first episode is called like ill-gotten gains, G-A-I-N-E-S, like the character's name. Uh, there's Happy Mud Mudders Day, M-U-D-D-E-R-S Day, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. a Three Corpse Meal, uh, the Cocaine Mutiny, Oil of Ol Lay. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Copophiliac, which I'm going to be watching as soon as we stop recording here. That's great. That's that sounds very <laughs> um, interesting. No noose is good news. Uh, it's just yeah. <laughs> I I just I wish they could have decided whether they wanted to be a comedy or or a gritty cop show because I think either I almost think that either one of those shows would be pretty good based on what I saw here. Like you know, like not good, but yeah. No, no, no. I I, I could see that. I, I mean, it's funny, and it did. You were right. You're you're right. It won two Emmys, one for yeah, editing, yeah. like one for editing yeah. for a outstanding <laughs> editing for a series, and one, of course, yeah. Randy Newman won for outstanding achievement in music yeah. and lyrics. <laughs> and it was nominated for directing for some reason, for sound mixing, for uh, achievement in music, music and lyrics. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what? That's I weird. actually think that's the best way to go out is in celebration of. Randy Newman's big win for outstanding achievement in music in lyrics, and that's with the uh, the closing song that they all sing. Yeah, yeah, you got to just hear this whole thing because this song is Randy Newman as fuck. All right, well, I am Gary Heather, and I am Sachin Hingu, and this has been TV or GTFO. Uh, do join us next time, and for now, enjoy the musical stylings, the 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 um, eighty-eight key tinkling of Randy Newman.
Senhor de Diabão.